Thanks so much for being here. It's a good morning to be here and a good morning to worship with you. Uh, before we get into the message this morning, I just want to go back and let's process the celebrations and the announcements that we just heard, all right? So, so think about the common link in all, well, almost all of those announcements, and it's service. Service. Like, that is dear to my heart. I want to be, in, I want to be known as a church that is serving our community. So whether that's serving here in this building, decorating, or whether that's out in, in the community delivering uh, groceries to people who need them and, and being Jesus in that way, we're going to serve those people that way. Or whether that's going, coming alongside a mission organizations that, that is uh, serving and, and taking Jesus to a community in Honduras, um, we're going to come alongside those organizations and we're going to serve. We want to be known as a church who's serving other people. That's what Jesus did. That's what we want to do. And so we're just going to keep throwing out those opportunities. If you're tired of opportunities to sign up to serve, I'm sorry, just get used to it because they're just going to keep coming, right? Um, they're just going to keep coming. We're going to have those opportunities to sign up to serve our community. So sign up for that 5K. Listen, sometimes serving is great and it's fun and we get to be out there and serving people like Thanksgiving yesterday, Thanksgiving outreach. Sometimes it means cleaning up after an event is over and all the party is done and it's not fun anymore. Listen, that's service too, and so we need to be involved in that way. So uh, sign up and help out in those things. Even if they're less than glorious, we can be Jesus in that way, right? All right, let's get into the message this morning. We're in the uh, second week of Junk Drawer and are from the Junk Drawer. And, and the Junk Drawer series, again, it's not that the stuff inside the Junk Drawer is junky. It's that there's not room or that the stuff inside the Junk Drawer doesn't fit in other places. And so we just take these messages and we kind of, it's a miscellaneous thing, right? We put them there and we pull them out when we need to. Um, and this morning we're going to go back to that same thing. We're going to pull out another message from the Junk Drawer. And this morning I want to talk to you about dreams. I want to talk to you about having dreams. What are the things that you're passionate about? What are the things that are God-given dreams within you um, that, that you feel like, you know what, that is what I want to do with my life. That is what I want my life purpose to be for. Um, and so we're going to do that by, by, I want to tell you a story from Hannah. Not the book of Hannah. It's a story about Hannah from the book of 1 Samuel, all right? So 1 Samuel, uh, we're going to go there. And I, I just want to set this up. I want to start talking about this because Hannah was a, was a lady who had a dream. All right? She had a dream to have a child. That was her, like, that was her focus. That was what she, she cried about. That was what she, she wanted more than anything. It was she wanted a son. She wanted to be able to have a family. And, and, and Hannah was the wife of a man named Elkanah. And Elkanah had another wife named Pinata. Uh, I think it was actually Penina. I don't know. Um, and now I'm going to say Pinata the rest of the time. Uh, Penina? Penina? And uh, Penina was uh, Penina was Elkanah's second wife or first wife. Anyway, he was, it was a it was another wife that Elkanah had. And and Hannah didn't have any kids, and she wanted kids. She wanted a family more than anything. And Penina had lots of kids, and she let no, Hannah know. Right? There was like this rivalry where she would take it to Hannah, and and the scripture says that she would torment uh, her her rival. Her, uh, the other wife, she would torment her with the fact that, look, I got kids and you don't have any. And I know that's what you want more than anything. I know that that's your dream. I know that that's the, the thing that you are passionate about. And, and, and you just don't have it yet, right? And so um, every year, Elkanah would take his family up to Shiloh. And they would go, go up to Shiloh and uh, up to the tabernacle that was up there. Remember the tabernacle was the, it was like the temple before the temple. It was the mobile temple. It was the temple that, that the children of Israel would move around and would take with them when they were walking around or moving around the desert. 
Um, so the temple still hadn't been built yet. And so Elkanah would take his family, both of his wives and, and the kids, and they would go up to uh, Shiloh and they would sacrifice there. They would worship. They would com- com- uh, fulfill that vow up there and they would do that thing. And on their way up there, Peninnah would, would torture, would torment Hannah so much to the point of, of, having, of not having kids. She would just torment her so much that she would get to the point of weeping and crying and she wouldn't be able to eat with the rest of the family. And, and it just shows you like how much, how important this was to Hannah. The, the depth of this dream that Hannah had. And so we're going to pick up in, in 1 Samuel verse 10. And, and, and remember, Hannah hasn't eaten. It says the rest of the family, it says once, that they, had, once they had prayed, they got up, and, or Hannah got up, and she went into the tabernacle to, to pray. And so verse 10, 1 Samuel verse 10 says this. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will be used on his head. And that's a, that's a Nazarite vow, right? So she's saying, I am dedicating my child. If you give me a son, I'm going to dedicate my child to you, and he's going to serve you in the most, uh, in the most uh, way possible, right? In the best way possible, he's going to be dedicated to you in that way. So verse 12, it says, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouse. Eli was the priest. He was in the tabernacle. She didn't know he was there. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. And said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli answered her, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. So So Hannah takes her request to God. She takes her dream to God, and I, it's a very dramatic scene. She, she gets up from the table. I see her, like, so tormented that she just finally, like, stands up, leaves the table. She goes to the tabernacle uh, and, and uh, into the altar where the altar is, and she is there, and she is praying before God, and she is weeping, and she is pouring out her heart to God and saying, I can't take this anymore, God. God, you know that I want this more than anything else on this earth. God, if you will just give me a son I will give him back to you. If you will just give me what I need, like, God, this is my dream. This is my destiny. I know it, and I want it, and I feel it from you. And if you will give it to me, I will just give it back to you, God. This is what I want more than anything. And Eli sees this, and, we had, and they had that little encounter, you know, about her being drunk. And she's not drunk. She was just praying with her mouth moving. And, and, and Eli says, well, then go in peace. Go in peace, and may God grant the request that you have asked of him. And so the family eventually leaves Shiloh. They leave the tabernacle. They go back to their home in Ramah. And, and it says, Scripture says that the Lord remembered her. The Lord heard her request. He remembered Hannah. And she became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son named Samuel. So her dream, right? Her dream that she had poured out everything came true. God gave her her son, and then sometime two, three, four years later, we don't really know how long it was, Elkanah was, was going back up to the, to the, the temple at Shiloh, the, the tabernacle at Shiloh, because that was his practice, and um, he would do it every year. So the, the family's getting ready to go back up, and, and he, Hannah has, says, you know what, I'm not going to go up this time. I'm not going up yet. 
because it was close enough to that time where she said, my son's about to be weaned, and when he's weaned, I'm taking him back up to the temple. And so she wanted to, to, to wait. And so she goes up later. She takes him back up to the temple because remember her request. Remember, she said, God, if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you. If you give me my son, if you give me this dream, I will give it back to you. And literally, she went and she did that. She gave her son back to, to God by literally leaving him at the temple. Literally taking this son, all that she had dreamed about, all her hopes and her dreams and everything, she takes it back to God and she gives it to God in that way. And so we pick up in verse 24. It says, after he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a, tw- a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And when the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, pardon, my lo- pardon me, my lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child. The Lord has granted me what I asked of him, so now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. So Hannah has her baby. She has her dream, and she takes him back to the temple. She made that vow. Do you remember that? She made that vow and said, if, if God, if you will give me this dream, if you will give me this, if you grant me this request and have my son, I will take him back up. And she is faithful to that. She, she takes him back up, and she leaves him. Now, we don't really know what the age of weaning was. We know culturally it's, it's different. So we're just going to say a maximum of five years, right? And I'm going to go with four years because I have a son that's four years old right now. Can you imagine taking your son or your daughter back to the temple, back to the tabernacle, and walking away and leaving him? If you know my kids, that's, that's Noah. That's our third little blonde guy walking away from Noah, leaving him at the tabernacle. Man, I cannot, I can't, I can't fathom that. I, can't, I cannot wrap my head around that idea. And yet Hannah did it because she had made a vow to God. Because she said, God, if you will give me this dream, then I will give him back to you and she left him there with Eli and Eli raised him and he worshiped and he 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 later on it says he was serving before the Lord and as as a young boy and things like that and and he stayed there and maybe she it wasn't like she said goodbye forever she got to see him once a year maybe maybe a couple times a year um but man I cannot imagine that action I can't imagine doing that but she was faithful to what she had vowed to God and I was thinking about this story and I was thinking about our dreams, and not like I ate a tuna fish sandwich at 10.30 last night and I had some crazy dreams, but like, what are your dreams? What are your passions? What are the things that get you excited, that you get up in the morning for, that you're pursuing, that you're running after? What are those things? They feel like they're impossible and they're a long way off, and yet it feels like, God, you have given me this thing within me to do for you, what are your dreams? And see, so I was thinking about dreams, and dreams are more than a bucket list, right? Dreams are, are not bucket list items. I have uh, on, my, on my bucket list, I want to make my wife a dining room table from scratch. My, uh, my, my father-in-law owns a, a logging and lumber mill, and so I've got all the raw materials. I can do that, right? Maybe not the skill, but I can get there. I'll fake my way through it. And 
that's on my bucket list. I want to make that table for her. Like, I, I want that to be the center, a center for our family where we can entertain people and we can have good conversations where we laugh and we cry and all those things. Like, I want to do that for her. But that's a bucket list item. That's a, a thing that I want to do. Dreams are things that are bigger than that. Dreams are things that will affect your life. And I think that's the difference between the, the, a bucket list or a thing we want to experience and a dream. A dream is going to change your life. Getting to a dream is going to change your life. It's going to direct your life because you're going to have to make some decisions that are going to get you to that point of, of accomplishing that dream. And so it's going to change the course of your life because you're going to make decisions about where you're going to go and what you're going to do and how you're going to do that and what's going to lead you to being able to be successful in that dream. That's what a dream is. That's the difference between a bucket list uh, and, and an item. So, so I have a dream to one day have about 100 acres, to be able to build a house on it, to be able to manage it for wildlife. And, and, and like, as I think about that dream, first of all, I'm closer to that here because Frankfurt and Lawrenceburg has some beautiful land. Um, and I love that. And it feels like maybe that would be available to me at some point. But man, that is a dream. And if I want to accomplish that dream, if that's going to happen in my life, then I'm going to have to make some decisions along the way that are going to lead me in that direction. And then once I have that farm, man, that's going to take some decisions to be able to maintain and manage and things like that, right? That's a dream. Like that's going to change. That's going to affect my life in a real way. So that's how you can tell the difference between a, a bucket list item and, uh, and, a, and a dream, Right? I've been to the Grand Canyon. I'd like to go to the Grand Canyon again. That's an experience. But that's probably not going to change my life. That's probably not going to change the direction of my life in that way. Dreams are big. Dreams are big. Dreams are going to be things that, number one, it's going to shape your life in order to get there. Number two, it's going to shape your life after you get there after you accomplish it that way and so so for hannah man she wanted a dream to have a children to have children she wanted a son that was her dream that was her focus uh in in this thing that was what her rival tormented her in that she hadn't achieved yet that she hadn't done yet and that was the thing that would get to her it's the one thing she dreamed about it's the one thing that she didn't have control over and that was what she wanted and yet there's only so many options for having kids, right? And back in the day, like, you had one option. And we tried that, and it wasn't working, right? Unless, of course, you're Mary. And Mary just kind of says, hey, watch this, right? Um, <laughs> but for Hannah, it wasn't working. And so she took it to God. And she said, God, this is my dream. This is what I feel like you have put within me. This is what I want to accomplish for you. And I see these words in the scripture. God remembered Hannah. The Lord remembered Hannah. He remembered her. When Hannah was at her lowest, when she was at the point of pouring out everything that she had on the altar, crying and weeping, when she was on the verge of getting, giving up and she was distraught, it says that God remembered Hannah. And I think that God remembered Hannah because he cared about her dreams. And I think God cares about our dreams. God cares about your dreams. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that a crazy thought that God cares about our dreams, our individual dreams, the things that you're passionate about? Man, God cares about that. The things that you long for, God cares about that. And I think that God cares about it so much because if it's a God-given dream, he put it in us. He built us with, with it inside of us. And, and, and so he created us. 
He created us from the inside out. He understands us better than we will ever understand ourselves. Look at Psalm 139, 13 and 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. I am fearfully and wonderfully. You created me, and I know that your works are wonderful. Therefore, I am your work, and I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God knit us together. God knows us. He knows your passions. He knows your dreams. He knows that about you because he created you. The word that's, that's translated there in, in verse 13, it says, you created my inmost being. You can translate that word a couple of different ways from Hebrew. It means like literally your organs, like your intestines, your kidneys, your, your guts, right? You created my guts. But you also have to understand that for, for the Hebrew people, that was like the seat of your emotion and your affection, like, like we would say our hearts, right? You created my heart. We're not talking about like the dump, the dump, the dump, the dump heart, right? We're talking about I love you with all of my heart. That, that's our inmost being, my place of affection, my place of emotion. Like I love you with all of that. And so Psalm 13 says, for you created my inmost being. You created everything about me that you know my innermost being you know that my place of passion you know my place of emotion god and at that place that place of passion and emotion that's where your dreams come from and god knows your dreams because god created that spot within you he created it and don't you think if he created it he knows it don't you think if he created it he cares about it god cares about your dreams and I know the chances are pretty good that in this room this morning there's people who feel like God has forgotten about you. That God has forgotten about your dreams. But I'm telling you this morning, he hasn't. He hasn't forgotten about you. He knows your dreams. He cares about your dreams. He knows you and he cares about you. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God's speaking to Jeremiah. But if God's speaking to Jeremiah and says, Before you were born, I knew you, then God's speaking to you says, Before you were born, I knew you. I knew you. He knew us before we were born, before time began. He knew us individually, and he knows us, and we are important to him because if he created us, then we are important. We are part of his creation. We are his children, and we are important to him. And God does not forget the things that are important to him. God does not forget anything, but he does not forget the things that are important to him, especially his children. Now, we might forget about him, right? We might forget about him sometimes, but he doesn't forget who we are. We might forget who he is, that he is all God Almighty, that he is the creator, that he is, is, is creator of everything you can see, everything you can touch, everything you can smell, everything you can hear. That's him. He did that. He created all of that. And we might forget that sometimes. And when we forget that, we think maybe he's forgotten us too. But he hasn't forgotten us. We feel like God... I have these dreams and I have these passions and I have these things that I care about and they're not happening, at least not the way I thought they would happen. And we're about to give up. We're about to walk away because maybe God forgot about me. He hasn't forgotten about you. He has not forgotten about you. Maybe we've forgotten about him. Maybe we've forgotten about who he is and what is possible through him. Jesus said with God, all things are possible. Remember that? 
all things are possible. There is nothing that is outside his reach. There is nothing that is too far for him. And God cares about your dreams, and he has not forgotten about them. He has not forgotten about you. Hannah, in her deep anguish, took her dream to God. She took it to the Lord, and the Lord remembered Hannah. And God remembers you. So as we look at this dream from Hannah, and we look at Hannah taking her dream to God, I think there's another thing that comes really apparent. It's really obvious to me, and that's that dreams require sacrifice. If we have this God-given dream that is within us, we're going to chase after that dream because we feel like, God, you have given this thing to me, and I'm going to go after it. Dreams require sacrifice. When you set out to accomplish a dream, and if you're going to see that dream happen, then it's going to cost you something probably, right? If you have this dream to become a professional athlete, man, that's going to cost you something. It's going to take work. It's going to take time. It's going to be time that you would have had, you know what, I might have to sacrifice some, some things to, uh, some time with my friends because I got to go practice. I might have to sacrifice sleeping in because I got to get up and hit the weights, right? You have to be aware of your diet. You're going to have to sacrifice the KFC because, man, you got to be aware, right? I have this dream. I have this passion, and I'm going after this thing, and it's going to require me to sacrifice maybe some of, my, some of the other things. If you want to travel the world, if that's a dream of yours, man, I want to see this world. I mean, there's going to be some sacrifice involved in that. You might have to not buy a pair of shoes that you want to buy because you're saving up. You might have to work some longer hours in order to save up, in order to do this, because it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you money, number one. It could cost you some other things in terms of like a family, having set, settling down, set, that, you know, settling down and having a family, touring the world and seeing the, the entire world in all its glories and experiencing all these cultures. It makes it a little more difficult. You got a two-year-old tagging along, right? That's not potty trained yet, and they should be. Sorry, that's my personal experience. But dreams require sacrifice, and you might have to push that aside for a little bit. You might have to set it aside, or you might have to set it aside permanently, but you got to understand, what is your dream? What is your passion? What are you going after that God has given you, that thing that is within you? For Hannah, the pursuit of her dream cost her. When she went forward and she was praying and she was weeping, what did Eli think? Eli thought she was drunk, Right? When you pursue your dreams, you might have some people that think you're less than sober for chasing those dreams, for believing those things, for, for trusting God and saying, God, I'm going to chase after this thing. You're going to have people that are going to approach you and say, you know what? You're not in your right mind. That's not responsible. That's not the way that normal people live their life. They're going to tell you that it's not responsible. They're going to tell you that it's not possible. They're going to tell you that you're wasting your time. Even Hannah's husband, she didn't get it, or he didn't get it. He went to her and he said, why are you crying? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Come on, my husband, right? Come on, man. Like, you don't get it. Her dream is to have a family. And he didn't even get it. Dreams take sacrifice. So we might have to sacrifice people's opinions of us. That might be sacrificing some relationships that get strained in that process. But when there's a God-given dream... We have to be willing to do whatever it takes if we want to accomplish that dream. Short of 
abusing other people or pushing other people aside or stepping on other, uh, on other people to get what we're going after. We have to do what it takes. We have to pursue those things in a Christ-like manner to pursue God and those dreams, and, and, and we have to do what it takes. We have to sacrifice. That's going to involve some sacrifice. I can tell you right now that there are people in my life who thought it wasn't a real bright move for us to move from Richmond to Lawrenceburg, to leave a nice, safe job in Richmond, to leave friends, to leave family. We, we moved further away from family. That that wasn't a real bright move to move up here to work with a church that exists in an expensive building. This is an expensive building, y'all. It's a lot of money for rent. To, to, to move, to pastor a church with people we didn't know and, and to be a pastor in a church where there's no income, right? Like that, you change your mind, you don't want that? Okay, all right, thanks, J.D. There's a lot of people that didn't think that was a bright move. But I can tell you at yesterday, things like yesterday, going out and serving this community, seeing what you people did, Right? God gave me this dream to see this church flourish, to see this church grow, to see this church be uh, 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 an example in our community of what it means to love and what it means to serve and to go out and to make a difference in people's lives in the name of Jesus. God gave me that dream. And so to see what you all did yesterday in providing the food and going out and serving people in that way tells me we're in the right place. It's worth it. It's worth the sacrifice. It's worth that risk that we took and are taking and when you look at Hannah, you can't help but see her sacrifice. You can't help but see her, the biggest sacrifice that she made. Like, yeah, she, she sacrificed people's opinions of her, but she also sacrificed in, in a major way. She wanted so badly to have children. It was such an important dream for her that when she went to God, she said, God, I want this dream. And if you give me this dream, I will sacrifice my dream to you. Now wrap your head around that for a second. She said, God, if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you. I will see him once a year if you will give me a son. Think about the sacrifice that that was. And her family, listen, when she dropped Samuel off, when she went up and she walked away that year, she didn't sacrifice that dream once. Every time her family went up to the tabernacle, she walked away and went home without her son. Do you think that was easier the second time, the fourth time, the tenth time? I don't think that got any easier for her to walk away. Yes, she had, God was faithful to her, she, and she had five more kids. She had two, three sons and two daughters. But that doesn't make it any easier to walk away from the firstborn. She sacrificed over and over and over in order to have that dream that God had given her. She was sacrificing her son to God, not literally, but she went up and she gave him to God. She dedicated Samuel to God. And look what happened when she did that. Look what happened when she took her dream and she gave it to God. Do you know who Samuel became? Samuel became the last judge of Israel. Samuel became the first prophet, labeled prophet of Israel. 
He anointed King Saul, their first king. He anointed King David when he went down to Jesse's sons, and, and he said, God, surely this is your guy. He's ruddy and handsome, and he's big and strong, and he's intelligent. Nope, that's not my guy. And he went down the list to, to find David, and God said, that's my man. And, David and, or, and Samuel anointed him. That was Samuel. You think Hannah had any idea any of that was going to happen when she gave her dream to God? No. She didn't have any idea. God took her dream, and he made it incredible. She just wanted a family. She just wanted a son. But God took her dream, and she made her dream the ruler of this nation. Like, as judge, Samuel was, was the voice of God for this nation, right? Guiding this nation into places. An incredible thing that God did with her dream. So what am I saying? I'm saying dedicate your dream to God. Give your dream to God. It's going to take some sacrifice to get there, but get it to God. Give it to him. Give your deepest longings and your desires to him. Do it for his glory. Do it for his honor. Don't do it. Don't do your dream. Don't chase your dream so that people look how great you are. Do it so that God can see how great. Do it so that people see how great our God is, right? Chase after him. Dedicate your dreams to him. Give them to him so that people can see how incredible our God is. Hannah had no idea what God was going to do through her son, through her dream. We don't have any idea what God is going to do through our dreams. We just know that there's something within us that says, I've got to do this. This is going to make, this, this is my life. This is what I've got to do. This is what I've got to pursue. And we may not even know what that ends up being. We might think it's going this way, and God says, yeah, go this way. And in the process of chasing that, he takes us over here and says, yeah, but this is really what I want you to do. Right? Maybe you have a dream to start a business, and you just want to, God, I just want to make this business go. I just want to be my own boss. I want to make this thing happen. And that's your dream. Give that dream to God, because God can take that business and say, you know what? God, I'm going to do this for you, and I'm going to dedicate a portion of the profits every single year, no matter how much we make, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to missions. I'm going to give it to the church. I'm going to give it to whatever, Right? God, I'm dedicating this to you. Watch out. God can do some incredible things. He might be busier than you ever thought you would be. He might have a more successful business than you ever thought he would have. Because God can do some incredible things when we dedicate our dream to him. Maybe you say, God, I want to have a successful business, and I want to live on 20% of that. And I want to give the rest to local missions. Man, watch out. Watch out. God can do some incredible things. Give your dreams to him. Because what he can do with that is literally limitless. There is no limit on God. None. But you got to mean it. You got to mean it. Hannah meant it. God, if you will give me a son, I will literally give him back to you. And she did it. God, if you give me a successful business, if you give me uh, influence in whatever area, I'm going to give that back to you. Then you got to mean it. you got to do it. When you get a successful business and you get some money coming in, you don't get to say, all right, well, how about I just give my tithe instead of that 80%, right? you got to mean it. Hannah meant it. She literally took her dream and she gave it back to God. Verse 27, she said, I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. When she said, I'm, giving, I'm dedicating this to you, God, she meant it. And she did it. And she followed through on her vow. 
It reminds me of the story of another son. Abraham was an old man. Sarah, his wife, was an old woman. And God said, I'm going to give you a son. And he did. Way beyond childbearing years, way beyond what should have been normal, what should have been possible, God gave Abraham a son. And then God asks Abraham to literally take his son up on the mountainside and to sacrifice him. God, I waited for a long time. You promised this son and it didn't happen. You promised, you promised, you promised, and then you did it. You were faithful to your promise. And, and God says, all right, take, take Isaac up and he's going to be your sacrifice. Put him on the altar. And Abraham does it. He goes up there, he gets the process, he puts Isaac on the altar, he goes for the knife, and God stops him. He says, now I know. Now I know that I am first, right? Now I know that you trust me. Now I know that you are faithful to me, that there is nothing in front of you, uh, <clears throat> between you and me. Genesis twenty-two fifteen says this, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of, other, of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Abraham wanted a son. God said, I'm going to give you nations. Your descendants will be more than the sand on the shore. And not only am I going to give you nations, but through your line, the Messiah is coming, right? Through your line, it says, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. That's us. We got the blessing because Abraham obeyed. We got the blessing because Abraham dedicated his dream back to God and said, God, I'm not even going to withhold my dream from you. You have given me this dream, and I'm taking it back to you. And God said, man, that's faith. That's trust. That's giving it back to God. All nations on earth will be blessed. Not just Hebrews, not just the Israelites, all nations through Jesus. That includes us. Abraham, Abraham put God first. Even in front of his dreams that he felt like God had given him, Abraham put God first. He was literally willing to kill his dreams because God asked him to. Hannah gave her dream to God took him back and left him at the tabernacle, dedicated him to God, and God did incredible. God did unthinkable. God did way more than they would have ever imagined with their dream. And God will do that for your dreams. We need to seek God, not seek his hand. We need to seek God, not seek what he can do for us. He goes first. Even in front of our dreams, even in front of this thing that we feel like, God, I'm chasing after you and I need to do this thing for you and and God still comes first. If God says no, if God says stop, if God says turn this way, God comes first in all of those things. We have to understand in chasing our dreams that God still comes first. Dreams cannot replace God. That's idolatry. Putting anything in front of God is idolatry. And we can do that sometimes, don't we? Or we can't. We, we, we try and do it. We, we, get those, we get so focused on our God-given dreams that we forget the God who gave us those dreams. And we actually begin to put those things before him. So dream. Chase after those dreams. Reach after those things that, that God has given you and do it with reckless abandon. Go after them. Leave the doubters behind. Don't pay attention to the haters. 
But do it for God's glory, not for your own. Do it for the glory of God. Psalm 37, 46 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Take delight in the Lord. Find delight in God, in the things of God, and he will give you the desires of your heart because the desires of your heart will be to glorify him in all things. Commit your way, commit your path, your dreams to him. Trust him, and he will make you shine like the dawn. The minute we sacrifice our relationship with God for a dream, we've missed the point. The minute that becomes more of a focus, the minute we start chasing after that thing that God has given us, instead of chasing after the God who gave it to us, red flag, right? Pay attention. That's idolatry. That's not what God's after. God's after this thing for his glory, for us to experience him in his glory. Delight yourself in him, not in the things that he can give you or the things that he can do, do for you. Truly commit to him, and God will do incredible things in you and through you. Incredible things through your dreams beyond what you ever thought, beyond what you ever dreamed your dreams would be. And God will do that. Now, it would be naive to also think that there's people in the room who have had dreams and had passions that just didn't happen. God, I, I sacrificed for those dreams. I practiced. I gave up some relationships because I was pursuing what I felt like you had given me. Hmm. Sometimes we get so focused on what we feel like is success or we feel like is accomplishing that dream that we miss out on what God is teaching us along the way. Because maybe God has given us this dream to learn the things in the process of chasing that dream. Maybe God has given us the dream to involve ourselves in relationships with people that are along the way on that journey, right? And God will do more than you can ever imagine with those relationships, with that influence, with that under new understanding. Maybe God gives you a dream to go this way, and in the process of going after that dream, he teaches you something that says, you know what, God, I'm going this way. So just because God has given you a dream and it's not happened, man, don't think he's forgotten about you. He has not forgotten you. He doesn't forget. He does not forget you. Even if it's not happened. Why don't you all come back up to your feet? So what about you? Prayer team, why don't you all come on forward? Turn on the prayer team. What about you this morning? Do you have dreams? Do you have passions? Do you have things that God has put in your life for you to drive after? And all of a sudden you feel like those things have gotten buried. Maybe they got pushed to the side. Maybe you forgot about them. Maybe it was like, you know what, God? I'm done with this. You've forgotten about me. Don't settle for that. Because God has given you passions. God has given you dreams and he wants you to pursue them. He wants you to go after that. He wants you, maybe, maybe we need to resurrect those things this morning. So prayer time this morning, I feel like God has said, maybe some people need prayer for boldness to step out and do it.
that it's there and that the opportunity's in front of you, but I'm afraid, God. I don't know if I want to do that or not. I don't know if I want to change my life in that way. Maybe you need boldness. Maybe you need motivation to get up off the couch and to go do something. We want to pray for that too. But I just feel like God has given us these dreams. God has given us passions. Maybe you are, you're sitting there and going, all right, all this talk about dreams and passions and I got nothing. I'm good playing Xbox. I don't know. Maybe you want prayer for a dream. Maybe you want prayer to say, God, give me something to drive me. Give me a passion to run after. Give me something that will glorify you in my daily life. And I can take this to you. I can dedicate it to you. I can give it to you. And it will come back and it will reflect glory on earth. And people will look at that and say, wow, look at that thing that God did there. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need, maybe you need a passion. And you're thinking, God, I just, I don't even know what that is. I want to pray for you in that too. As always, we want to pray for you in whatever. If you need healing, physical healing, if you need emotional healing, if there's a relationship, if you've got a job interview coming up, if you need a job interview, man, we want to pray. That's what these people are here for, and they're going to keep coming up. You come on forward. We're going to sing two more songs, and you can move at any point during the first song. Prayer team will probably sit down unless people are just coming forward during the second song. But let's, let's just return to worship, and let's, let's praise our God. Let's worship our God for who he is and for what he's doing in our midst.